Love you. Right. Love you. Hey, guys, I am so excited to be here. I love this place, but boy, we have multiplied since the last two years. Uh, so if who have not heard me before? Oh, man. So if I repeat some stories, the rest of you will be able to handle it. I was telling Sarah, I said, you know, my stories just come like spontaneous. I don't plan them, so I don't even know what stories I use. So I might repeat some. Uh, But I am just so honored to be here. I uh, love this place. And um, I am just... Uh, I just want to honor you. I want to honor the pastors of this house. You know, it's wonderful to be in a place where you are free to be authentically you. And tonight we're going to talk about authenticity, but I'll tell you, it's so powerful uh, when you are able to just be you. And when you can just be you, it's going to release a creativity. It's going to release a passion. It's going to release a safety. You use the word safety, and that's a very big word for me because the church should be the safest place on the planet. Come on. The body of Christ should be the safest place on the planet. And so when we are authentically who God created us to be, now we're no longer in competition. And if we're no longer in competition, we can have a safe environment celebrating who God created us to be, but celebrating who God created you to be. I'll tell you, the kingdom of God is a healthy place. Amen? So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you for each one. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and you pour out uh, your grace. I ask that the Holy Spirit would be the teacher, that, Lord, it's not just the things that I say, but it's the things that you are saying to each one individually. Holy Spirit, speak to each heart, make these things relevant to them, and I ask for your kingdom to be established. That's your rule. It's your reign. Lord God, it's your purposes established inside of each of us. So Father, I bless you and I bless this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am really honored once again and I'm excited about this. And um, one thing I was telling Sarah is she picked me up at the hotel. I said, and I even told Mary this. She said, oh, you, they wanted me to come back a third time. I go, Well, the first time I spoke on that, that's kind of a woman's message. The second time, you know, Justice, we can make that a woman's message. But I'm out of women messages. And so now you really got me. But justice is the core of all that I do. And having the power of shame broken us so we can discover what manner of man or woman we are. Uh, we're just all women here. Just, we got one. What, are, <laughs> what manner of man or woman we are. The fact is when those two things are in order, then we can release who God created us to be. And we can be who God created us to be in our spheres of influence. So tonight you're going to get something maybe a little bit different uh, because my passion passion is leadership. My passion is to see people rise up and use their influence to expand the kingdom of God, whether they're in business, whether they're in government, whether they're in ministry, whether they're in the medical field, whatever mountain you're on, wherever you're at, in your family, in your community, man, when you start influencing that community and you do it the way God created you to do it, you're going to be loving life. So guess what? It's not just men that are leaders. There are women leaders, right? (laughs) It's not just men that are strong. Women are called to be strong. And if I gave another title to this weekend, it would be, You Are Powerful. And so this whole weekend is about you discovering your power 
as a woman of God, you discovering your power as an individual, you discovering your power so that you are free to be who God created you to be. This isn't just a woman's message, but I'll tell you, when we know our power, it sets us free. And may I say, every man that is a strong man wants his wife to be a strong woman. Every strong, powerful woman wants their husband to be a strong, powerful man. Because it's not about competition. It's about being who we're called to be. Remember in Ephesians 1, 4, it said, God chose us in him before the foundations of the world. So before God created the sun and the moon and the stars, he knew you, he planned you, he purposed you. Your life is not a mistake. And he created you to be powerful. So are you guys ready for this weekend? I am. I'm excited. Would it hurt anything if I move this forward a little bit more? I'll just push it forward. I like to be close to people, okay? Now, as long as you can see me, we're good, all right? So authenticity. Now, when you look at this, you see encounters with truth will reveal who I am. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And guess what? When I find Jesus, I find truth. And when I find truth, it begins to reveal to me who I am. Correct? That's my identity. My identity is based upon the person of truth that dwells on the inside of me. I'll tell you, giving our lives, abandoning our lives to the will and the way and the plans and purposes of God, guess what? We don't lose our life. We actually find it when we do lose it. I'll tell you, back when when I was living, she talked about me uh, living in D.C. and working for the FBI. When I worked for the FBI, it was all about me stepping on you before you could step on me. And I thought somehow, some way, if I climbed the corporate ladder or the governmental ladder, if I uh, became better than you and I accomplished more than you, then somehow that would make me feel better about myself. But in actuality, the more people I stepped on, the worse I felt about myself because deep inside of me, I knew that I was not a mean person, even though externally I was. But who God created me to be was screaming out, and I wasn't even born again. But I want you to know, just because... God is not the father of every person. He is the creator of every human being. And he created every single human being on the planet with value. And if we could see our value, it is going to draw us to the person of truth. And being drawn to the person of truth helps us see our value. So here we have, we have this battle between what I do and what I become. Now, if I become all these things, then I must be important. I must be okay. I must be worth it. I must be valuable if I become something. But the fact is, we become what we become because of who we are. See, if I look at my life and say, oh, because I do this, this makes me better. No, it's because of what's inside of me that gives me the ability to do what I do. Otherwise, we spend our lives striving rather than just being. We become a human doing rather than a human being. So when I, what I become 
is the infrastructure for everything that I do. So our first goal is to be who we're created to be, and out of that place, we will become and do what God created us to do. So who I am is the infrastructure that must be built. So I want you to know that there is a whole new breed of courageous leaders arising in the body of Christ. We have entered into a new season. We've transitioned. Things have shifted. Things have changed. I can't wait for Sunday morning to preach the message I want to preach. But I'm telling you, um, and the, I'll give you the title, okay? I'll get you. It's Heaven's Initiated Change. That's what it is. Because Heaven's Initiating Change, and it's going to take courageous leaders that are going to go where God's going. Come on. How many of you want to go where God's going? Or are you just telling him to bless your mess? Or are you telling him to say, God, where you lead me, I will follow? Come on. All right. So, see, we are going to live passionately for a higher cause. There's something that happens on the inside of us when we serve a higher cause. Because the fact is, when I give, I automatically receive. You know, according to neuroscience, what I say, what I do, what I, uh, how I act, how I respond immediately feeds back into me. So when I speak life, life feeds back into my brain. If I speak death, death feeds back into my brain. So isn't it unique that the moment we give is the moment we receive? A lot of times we think, well, if I put money in the offering, I'm going to get 30, 60, or 100 fold. That's not what it's talking about. I mean, it can be that because what I give is what I receive. And, you know, whatever you sow, you ultimately reap. But the fact is, the moment I do what is right, something changes for good on the inside of me. So back when I was a man-hating woman's liver, you know, in D.C., uh, everything I did fed back into me, and I was a woman most miserable. You heard my story. I was an alcoholic at 21. Everything I did to try to look good and look valuable literally sabotaged me because I was doing the wrong thing to try to get something. And when I gave my life to Jesus, then nothing else mattered but him. And suddenly, when he was the focus of my life, suddenly there was this instant return that took place on the inside of me. He healed me. He restored me. And I'm still in a process of growing and advancing and increase because he's not done with any of us. But we're building an infrastructure, discovering who we are so we can know what we're called to do, and that is live for a higher cause. Doesn't the Bible say, seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else is going to come? Whenever we're seeking everything else, we might get some things, but we'll never get fulfillment. But when we seek the kingdom of God and the king of the kingdom, then the bottom line is we are loving life. Why? Because when I'm seeking him, he's going, ah, now you're going to get all the things that you've desired. In fact, I planted desires in the inside of your heart. So we're living passionately for a higher cause. And this is really big to me, but we're not going to play religious games and have religious facades. 
I remember I used to practice so hard to preach a good sermon. I'd practice and practice and practice and look up big words in the dictionary so you would think I was smart. You know, now I talk in half sentences. I repeat myself. But you know what? I'm loving life. And I found out people like me better when I'm not perfect. Why do I tell such crazy stories about me? Because guess what? When we are authentically who we are, we're not trying to hide what we were. We're not hiding our stupid years. Okay? We are real human beings that have to go through life and begin to discover how amazingly valuable we are to the heart of God. And when he just showers us with love, I'll never forget the day that... Uh, the night when I said, God, if you're there, do something in my life. And I woke up the next day and I had no desire to drink alcohol. I, in my lightning fast brain, you know what? God, if you're there, do something in my life. Wake up. No desire for alcohol. <gasps> there must be a God. The revelation that there was a God shook me to the core. You know what? Then it nothing else mattered. Honestly, suddenly my job and, and my prestige and what I was building to get just didn't matter. It was important in the scheme of things, but honestly, it no longer held the importance. It had its proper place of importance. And then of just being that mean gal that if you mess with me, I'll punch you in the nose. I mean, instead of being that person, I'm going up to people and I'm saying, you need Jesus. No, 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 I didn't say that. It was God because I said, God, if you're there, I didn't use the word Jesus yet because I didn't realize that was really a part of it. And I just said, man, you need God. And they're going, okay, okay. How do I get them? I go, I don't know. Just say, God, if you're there, do something in my life. And they go, okay, God, if you're there, do something in my life. And I go, good, you got it. All right. And so why did that happen so instantly? Because when truth invades us, we get rid of all the facades. I went from Mel Mel, everybody can go to hell, to mellow. That's what they call me. Here comes Mel Mel, everybody can go to hell. And now they're going, what's happened to you? You're like mellow. I mean, this is the world. I didn't even really understand anything. But I knew a God existed. And he impacted my life. You know what? Religious facades and traditions of men are never going to fill a void on the inside of us. It's knowing an authentic God. A God who is so involved in our lives from even before the foundations of the world that he knit you together so beautifully in your mother's womb and he put a plan and a purpose and he chose you to be here right at this time in history and saying, what I put inside of you, I want released. I want you to see how powerful you are. If you would know how powerful you are, you want to know what you could accomplish? You know what you could build? I love being a wife. I love being a mother. I love being a pastor. I love my roles. I love being a consultant in the marketplace. I love those things. But I'll tell you, none of those things satisfy the soul if I don't have Jesus. And I don't have a revelation of who he is in the midst of me. I'll tell you, 
I just don't. Oh, I remember we've pastored for 38 years, 35 years. And we just had our church's 35th anniversary. We pastored in another church in Kansas City prior to that. And man, we had our religious years. We had our years where women weren't allowed to preach. We had our years where women couldn't do that. You couldn't do anything administrative. I was the most administrative person in the whole church. My goodness, I worked for the FBI. I ran businesses before I got saved. And now I can't do the books at church because I'm a woman. I thought these people were crazy, you know. And, you know, the control and all kinds of stuff. It's like, man, I went through all those years, and I'm not being critical. I'm just saying what church was was really not the church. And all those things hindered and held us back from seeing how powerful we are, not just as women, but our kids are powerful, our youth are powerful. Man, anyone abandoned to the lordship of Christ is powerful. Oh, my goodness. No more religious games. Actually, I was just telling Sarah, I just wrote a book. It's at the first editor now, and it's called Unmasking Prejudice. And the byline is silencing the internal voice of bigotry. And I'm not writing it in Christianese. There's not one scripture. I figure every Christian on the planet ought to know prejudice is ungodly. But it's not just racial prejudice. It's young and old, man and woman, rich, poor, political divides. Come on. Oh, my gosh. This is crazy stuff. Just because we might not agree on anything, there isn't any person on the planet you're going to agree with on everything. Why in the world should that ever divide us? It's diversity that makes us powerful. If you were just like me, you want to hand me in because you'd be doing it, right? So the fact is, you being who you are authentically created you to be, it gives you such a freedom to be yourself, you want everyone else to be themselves. When you're comfortable in your own skin, you want them to be comfortable in theirs. When you love your life, you're going to want them to love theirs. So really, the battle isn't out there. The battle is in here. It's that infrastructure that needs to be established. So we don't have religious games. We have a radical relationship with Jesus. Now, the word religion really isn't a bad word. It means means really pure and undefiled. It's practices that are pure and undefiled. Those practices are beautiful practices, all right? So I just want to... Bring balance there, okay? See, Jesus wanted honesty and authenticity. He went to the religious leaders. And what did he say in Matthew 23, 27 in the Passion? He says, frauds and imposters. These were the religious leaders, okay? Beautiful on the outside, but within are found decaying corpses full of nothing but corruption. (laughs) He wanted them just to be honest. He wanted them to be authentic. He didn't want them just to look good on the outside and on the inside they're dying. Did you ever walk into church? How you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. And inside you're just. uh... You say what people want to hear. You do what you think people want you to do. Rather than abandonment and obedience to God. See, it takes courageous leaders To have the number one in their life be Jesus Christ. 
I love Jesus more than I love my husband. I love my Jesus more than I love my children. This one's a little harder. But I love Jesus more than my grandchildren. (laughs) Nobody can wrap me like them and, you know. See, the fact is, Jesus was looking for the religious leaders, the ones that represented the kingdom, to be honest. Actually, that sounds so strong and harsh, but it was love. It was so much love. See, when we have a mindset, do you ever have a mindset where somebody tells you something and it just... It goes against what you think and you just react. My daughter went to get a, a, a car and we were looking to buy her a car. Or, no, she was looking to buy herself a car, but I went with her. And um, she's there and they said the word lease. Oh, I freaked out. And I go, no, no, no. I thought this guy was ready to rip off my daughter right away. See, because I had a mindset because there was a time years ago when leasing, they had the balloon payment at the end. Leasing hurt a lot of people. But all these laws came into place, which I didn't know, that did not allow that. And they put up more front and they did things to where it was a win-win on both sides. And uh, I didn't know that. But as soon as I felt myself react, I heard the Lord say, That was an automatic pattern of thought. That means you got a mindset, and when something is introduced different than what you think, you're going to react. That's why there's so much divisiveness. Because there's a way I think, and if you're not thinking like I think, I want to react. No, no, no. So I knew just to sit there and shut up, and that was a hard thing to do. And so I just was quiet, and as he explained everything, I'm like... Oh my gosh, this is the very best thing for her right now in her life. This is like the perfect thing. And she leased a car that day, and it was the perfect thing. Two years later, she is so thankful she did it. I'm so thankful she did it. But see, we have to allow our automatic patterns of thought to be subservient to the Word of God, subservient to truth, and allow those things that are contradictory to the way we think it's supposed to be, be open because heaven is initiating some change. We look and say, this is what successful looks like. Oh, it might not be at all what heaven thinks success looks like. It's not the house I have, the car I drive, the clothes I wear. Hey, man, I have to every two weeks get my nails done. I'm sorry, but it is a big deal to me. But I'll tell you, Whether my nails are done or not, it's irrelevant to my value. Come on. We make such big things over such little things. It doesn't matter what we have as long as what we have doesn't have us. I have a foundation. It's called the Voice of Justice Foundation. I don't know if I ever talked about this this here, but um, it's where, you know, I bring money into... um, invest into stopping sex trafficking around the world. And um, so there's uh, some people that I work with in Switzerland that I send money to as much and as often as I possibly can because they are doing such a beautiful work. And in Zurich, Switzerland, they go over to 200 places in Switzerland alone that are so, so dark. 
And one day he called me and he just said, Melody, he said, um, I feel like I have two fish and I'm trying to feed a multitude and I just have to have a miracle. He said, I need workers. I need, I need people that love so deeply that they're willing to go into these dark, horrible, dangerous places because of the valuable people that are there. I don't even have people to work in the office. I don't have the finances. And he was pouring it out. And um, actually, uh, earlier this year, my husband went into the hospital. It's a big, long story, but he almost died. And we went just into the ER. And from the ER, I went right into ICU. And he was operated on the very next morning. And so this was a challenging time. Uh, finances, like I couldn't travel for two and a half months. And so income went down and... Expenses went way up, way up. We never even needed insurance before. And so our deductible, hey, we have this big deductible. We're never going to need insurance, right? Well, so now our big deductible, you know, we're paying those things. So God has been so good. Every need's been met, beautifully met. God's taken beautiful care of us. But on that day when I got that call, my needs were met. But I didn't have abundance I couldn't just get out my checkbook and send them some money. And when I got off that phone, I was so angry. I wasn't angry at anybody, but I was so angry that I didn't have it to give. And I cried, and, and I poured out my complaint to the Lord for like a half hour. And I mean, I'm just pouring it out, and I'm just angry. And when all that was done, I stopped crying and calmed myself down and all those things. When it was done, I go, oh, my gosh, I just had an encounter with God. I never thought an encounter would feel like uncontrollable anger. See, it wasn't at anything. It was the frustration I didn't have the abundance to give. See, God created us to be blessed in every way so we have everything, not just what we need, but abundance to give. How are we going to impact our world if we don't have it to give in our time, in our money, in our thoughts, in our understanding of what we carry? If you don't see value inside of you, you're not going to give anything away to anybody else. You don't want to give somebody junk, right? But when you see your value, you go, you know, I'm not saying I'm all that, but what I carry is valuable, and I want to give it to you. You know, I want to be here this week, and I want to give it to you. You know, I want to pour it into you. And I'm not even sticking to what I'm supposed to be talking about, but that's okay. Because things are just bubbling up and it's going to relate to somebody. It's going to minister to somebody. Something is being planted into you even though this isn't my message. But the fact is God wants to shift our mindsets. He don't want me to freak out when I hear the word lease. He doesn't want me to be in a position that when there is a need, I don't have the ability to give. When everything in my heart is crying out to give. And you know, God had to shake up a mindset. That encounter I had with him was him saying, see, Melody, do you see why I want you to be wealthy? Anytime before, if I ever thought about being wealthy, I thought it would be, well, I'm being selfish. 
And in my heart, I knew I didn't want bigger or more. In fact, you know, uh, as long as my mom's here, we'll keep our house. But when my mom isn't here, she's 90, she'll be 95. She'll be here on Sunday with her sister who's 98. And so um, when, when, when she goes home, when she transitions to go home, we're going to downside. We're not looking to upgrade, get more. We're looking to downsize. We're not looking for stuff. But we're looking for opportunities of influence. We're looking for opportunities to make a difference in someone's life. We're looking for opportunities to make Jesus famous in our world. To see those that are oppressed, those that are truly powerless, to have them have an opportunity to be set free. I'll tell you, if God can trust you with what he's given to you, get ready because it's going to multiply, multiply, multiply. Where did I go from there? Okay. Jesus wanted honesty and authenticity. Authenticity means real or genuine, not false or a copy. Do you realize every time we feel like we have to be just like somebody else, we are acting and thinking in the most unauthentic way possible. It's real and genuine. You don't have to be anybody else. God doesn't want you to be anybody else. Be set free, ladies. You're just called to be you. (laughs) Come on, let's get rid of the comparison. Let's get rid of the rivalry. Let's get rid of the competition. Let's get rid of the prejudice and assumptions and biases and gossiping. Come on, this should not be in a Christian's life. Okay. Oh, doesn't the thing work? Not seeing the slides? Oh, there it is. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm on like the second or third slide. There, go go ahead. Go to the next slide. See, there's a little guy trying to make the choice. All right, I should be halfway through, but right here. Okay, the next one. Okay, there you are. Authenticity, real or genuine, not false or copy. There you go. Okay, then the next one is true and accurate. Okay, I've just been learning through, maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know if that's the reason or not. I just think I'm just getting more and more healed. But I'd rather be true than have a mask on. Because you know what? If I'm wearing a mask, think about it. If I'm wearing a mask and you just love me, the only reason she loves me is because this mask. Will I feel loved? No. No. Because I know I'm not being me. So if you love the fake me, then I'll never really feel loved. Or if I have to jump through hoops to cause you to value me, I'll never feel valued at all. We sabotage our joy. We sabotage our happiness. And we get upset that somebody doesn't love us for ourselves, but we're constantly putting on an act. And we do it out of fear. But when fear is gone, we're able to be true. Worthy of acceptance or belief. I love this one. This is the one I love the most. Made, and this is all Webster Dictionary or some dictionary. Made or done in the same way as the original. Now, I love this one. Because who are we to be conformed to? Jesus. 
As Jesus is, so are we in this world. And I love this because in 1 John, where John said, as he is, so are we in this world, he's talking about the resurrected Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, if we can measure up to what Jesus walked and talked and acted like when he walked on the earth, and we, that becomes our plumb line, that's a very good plumb line. But I'm talking about the Jesus that is resurrected, sitting on the right hand of the Father. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Jesus is ever interceding for you. Day and night, he is praying for you. I think Jesus gets his prayers answered. Can imagine, please, I wonder if God's going to, I wonder if Father's going to answer my prayers. No, he knows. He is praying in the perfect will of God for you day and night. And if Jesus is praying for you, why do we stress so much? I'll tell you, I think it's harder to be out of the will of God than it is to be in the will of God. I want you to know that you just don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. It is absolutely natural for you to be supernatural because you are a spirit being who has a soul. And you live in that body. And we put, look, spirit first. Soul second, body third, and we put everything on the body. (gasps) I gained a pound. (gasps) The world's falling apart. (laughs) I got a zit. You know, just, I am 63 years old, and I'm I'm glad it's almost gone. But like three days ago, I get a pimple. I go, you don't get pimples at 63 years old? What is wrong with this picture? How can I go preach? I got a zit. I don't know. You know, you just think, like we make such big things out of the body. I might have told you this before, but when I was young, I was cute. (laughs) I look at pictures and I go, Melody, you were really cute. I was so cute, but I thought I was so ugly. I hated myself. I despised my body. Everything about me wasn't good enough. Now I'm old, flop, dropped, and wrinkled, and I love my life. Our value is not based upon our bodies. Come on, guys. It's funny, but don't we act like that? We are made and done in the same way as the original. Man was created in the image of God. We are a spirit being. It is absolutely natural for you to hear the voice of God. It's absolutely natural for you to be very aware of what God is saying and doing in the earth today. Oh, man, the sons of Issachar, they weren't the only ones that know the times and the season. Guess what? Every believer in the body of Christ, we know the times and seasons. A little bit earlier, I say, we're shifting. Things are transitioning. Things are changing. And everyone's going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because you didn't hear it first from me. You heard it from you. Because you're living it. You're walking in it. And then when you hear God speaking that, and other people are saying it, it just affirms what you already knew in your spirit because your spirit is connected to heaven. 
as he is, so are we in this world. See, Jesus' heart looked always at what someone could become as a person. I love, it's the next slide, sweetheart. I love that little animation because when love is planted in the soil of our heart, is it doing it? There it is. When love is planted in the soil of our heart, it's going to really reap a crop. See, Jesus cared about what someone would become. And you look at the woman caught in adultery. Think about this. She was caught in adultery. She was shamed. She was devalued. She was exposed. And you know what he did? He said, go. First of all, he dealt with all the accusers. They, can you imagine what she was thinking when he did that? You know, she's getting ready to get stoned. And he rebukes the religious leaders. And there she is. Sweetheart, go and sin no more. You think, well, that's a rebuke. You said she was sinning. Well, she was. But you know what sin is? Charles Finney's definition. I'm sure I had to tell you this already. Charles Finney, uh, a revivalist in the Second Great Awakening. He's known as the father of the Second Great Awakening. In the late 1800s, his definition of sin was anything that devalued or dehumanized. Anything that devalued or dehumanized, that was sin. And he didn't just get people saved, even though they did. Many got saved. Towns and communities got saved. Uh, you know, bars, all those things shut down as people were flocking into the, uh, into the churches. But I want you to know, he did something so much more than that. He stood from the pur- pulpit and he spoke against slavery. He was an abolitionist. And he goes, okay, you got Jesus in your heart now? Come on, go give your life to bring freedom because they are being dehumanized and they are being devalued. Hitler could have never done what he did in Germany if he first didn't devalue. The sin wasn't just the murder. The sin was initially devaluing. But you know what, Jesus? In the midst of her devaluing herself, doing dehumanizing things to herself, he said, go, I'm going to really paraphrase here. May I have liberty? He says, go, And start valuing yourself. Don't do this anymore because you're just too valuable. And I just felt the anointing fall. Everything we do that is sin is devaluing ourselves or devaluing someone else. And I want you to know that if I'm devaluing someone else, it's because I'm not valuing myself. He said, oh, no, don't you smoke, don't you drink, don't you do this. Don't. No, no, it's like, don't devalue yourself. Because when you value something, you care for it. You protect it. You sacrifice for it. You treat it as valuable. You make such investments into what is valuable. And he said, sweetheart, Go and sin no more. 
Now, there isn't 100% proof of this, but most theologians believe that she was Mary Magdalene. And you know what she did? Mary Magdalene, she followed Jesus wherever he went. She served Jesus all the time. You know, she was, she was there at the cross. She was there at the tomb. She was the first one that Jesus came to. And, wow, my gosh, he's resurrected. The first one he appears to. And if, according to theologian, that woman caught in adultery is Mary Magdalene, do you realize she, here is someone who actually valued her saw truth in her. He spoke to her who she really, really was. You're, who's not going to follow that? Who wants to hang around people that are critical of you? Oh, nobody? Who wants to hang around people who are gossiping about you? No, no, no. We don't like that, do we? Because it's devaluation. But how many of you like to be around people who celebrate you and genuinely honor you? See the good in you. Oh, you mean you're not perfect? Oh, you know what? It's not. I just love you. I just love you. And you know what happens? When we love one another, it sets us free. See, it was Christ's love. Jesus paid a price for us that set us free. Because guess what? When I recognized that there was a God in heaven who loved me enough that could take away a desire to have alcohol, it blew my mind. I never experienced such a sense that I was somehow known by God. He was somehow woven into my life. And as crazy and wild as I was before, I was all that for Jesus. Praise God, we went to Bible school after a year and a half because I had a lot of zeal and no knowledge. But, you know, I am thoroughly convinced that even in the midst of the crazy things that I did, my daddy, God, was smiling down on me. He'll go, bless her heart. She's going to grow up sometime. (laughs) I'm not done with her yet. See, Jesus looked and said, this is who they can become. And the more I know him, the more I can see who I really am. Think of Zacchaeus. Man, all Zacchaeus wanted was just to see Jesus. He was hated by the Jews. And so Jesus is there. You know the story. And he walks along. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. See, he knew who God created him to be. He knew what Zacchaeus could become. And when Jesus walked into that house, I have no idea what his conversation was with Zacchaeus, but I'm sure it was amazing. Because he went from stealing to I'll give double back everything I ever stole. He didn't look up and say, you thief up there, get down here because you're going to hell. No, he didn't do that. He says, I'm going to your house. And being in the presence of love, being in the presence of truth, being in the presence of someone who values you enough to go to your home, guess what? It so transformed him internally. Really, what Zacchaeus was before was not really who he was created to be. It was just the fear-based Zacchaeus. 
The woman caught in adultery. That's not who God created her to be. That was the fear-driven woman. We do crazy things when we're afraid. Isn't that right? Oh, Jesus saw so differently. We're talking about being authentic. Now, Jesus, he wanted to gather. He spent all night long praying. So he heard from the Father. He had the Father's heart. Who are going to be my disciples? He picks Matthew. Matthew was the most influential of all the disciples. But he was most influential in a way that was not positive. He was a publican, a tax collector, and he worked for the Roman Empire. (laughs) He was not respected by the Hebrews at all. Here's Jesus trying to build his ministry. And he pulls in a tax collector who works for the Roman government that none of the Hebrews like, and that's going to be one of my right-hand people, right? That does not even make sense in our head. But see, Jesus saw, the Father saw, what Matthew could become. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were all fishermen, right? <laughs> Have you ever been around fishermen? And I'm not being critical. My brother was a fisherman. He went out and crabbed. And when he'd come back from crabbing, it stunk. It was horrible. So he gets these four stinky guys. <laughs> Say, hey, you want to come? I want to make you fishers of men. <laughs> And then we read about Simon the zealot. Oh, a zealot, praise God, now he got a good one. But this was, a zealot was gauged in politics and anarchy to overthrow the Roman government. So he picks Matthew who works for the Roman government and one who wants to overthrow the Roman government and he puts them together as a team. See, everything that we see externally might not be authentically the way it is. But who God created us to be is authentically us. And I believe we spend our lives discovering that treasure inside of us. I believe we spend our lives uh, determining, oh, God, this is the thing that makes me alive. And it's not about performance. It's just about you being you. When our focus is on building the infrastructure of becoming, it's the next slide, is an internal knowledge of who we are rather than an external performance for the approval of men. See, it's either going to be one or the other. Either we're going to focus on the knowledge of who we are or we're going to focus on getting the approval of other people. It's internal positioning rather than external platform. Man, I don't need any platform for my value. But if God gives me a platform, I'm going to honor him by being faithful in that platform. And if my God builds a platform for me, I am going to be true. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to give my 100% to be my best on that platform. 
But see, if we're seeking platforms because we need that so we feel good about ourselves, then we're hindering who we're called to become because guess what? It's about internal positioning, not external platforms. And when there's an internal positioning, then we can get the platforms and use them in a right way. Because guess what? If I have to get a platform when I get it, I will be a user of that platform. If I have to have that platform to feel good about myself, I will use and take advantage of people when I'm on that platform. And every platform we have should just give us another opportunity to serve more. Internal health rather than external wealth. Man, God can entrust me with wealth if I have internal health. But if I look at external wealth to make me feel good, if I have the biggest diamond in the room, that makes me wealthy. No, this is what makes me wealthy. It doesn't matter what size diamond, if I have one or I don't. And I know I'm preaching something and you all agree and you know, but boy, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you bring such revelation of this. That it's not just words I'm saying. It's not just something we mentally ascend to. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you would invade everybody's heart, everybody's soul in the name of Jesus. That they would begin to have revelation of the beauty of who they are, the value that they hold. That they would be able to see what you've called them to become. And it's separate from the external. It's based upon who they are. And Lord, I just thank you that there is a safety rising up in relationships unlike anything they have ever experienced experienced before. In Jesus' name, I just thank you for the internal health that is being birthed in the body of Christ right now. I decree it in Jesus' name. It's about internal character, the fruit of the Spirit, rather than external gifting. Praise God for gifts, but I don't want gifts without the heart. Oh, go ahead and do, 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 but if I don't have your heart, then all the you do doesn't build. See, what is religious games where I do the right thing on the outside, but my heart's not there? I don't want my husband to say, Melody, I love you. Oh, here, I got a good story. When we were first married, uh, actually it was back in the days, you ever hear of Kenneth Hagin? Anybody ever hear of Kenneth Hagin? We went to Kenneth Hagin's school. It was the faith school. Faith school. It's by faith What you do is by faith, and that's so true. I'm so glad for that foundation. But I'd go to my husband, and I'd say, Stephen, do you love me? Now we're married like two years. Stephen, do you love me? And he grew up in a home where he never was, his mom and dad never told him he loved him. He experienced every type of abuse. If his father was an alcoholic, he he had it really rough. And so he didn't say he loved me very much. And I'd go up and say, Stephen, do you love me? He says, I love you by faith. (laughs) I want to slap that guy. I didn't want to be loved by faith. I wanted him to love me from in here, you know? And that, for him, was a big step of faith. Because he didn't know what love really felt like. So I love you by faith. Well, he never said that again, but (laughs) 
But it's not about just what we do externally. Now, if our heart is there, then everything we do externally is so beautiful. It is a message of love. Look what they did. Isn't that just beautiful? Look at all these things they put together and all the people. I mean, as an expression of internal character and the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace. Come on. All those things being manifested in the life. And when we see that manifested externally, it is so beautiful. And guess what? You can tell when someone does something for you and they do it because they feel they have to, if they have a a sense of obligation or if they are so excited to do that for you. You can tell. I've learned years ago, we've been pastoring a lot of years. I would rather someone that's less anointed but comes in and really loves our people. Is this, am I here to have a platform? See Melody Hilton take some pictures. (laughs) Or am I here to take this opportunity to genuinely love and value you? Even if I'm all over the place and they don't even know where I'm at back there. Because more, more is communicated by what's inside of us than all the words we say. It's not with enticing words of man's wisdom. It's the power of God. And guess what? It is the power, love, and a sound mind that drives out all fear. When there's not fear, you can be you. I was just, um, was it August 1st? I just went to a a multi-billion dollar company, and and they had an off-site in Birmingham. And from all over the United States, uh, the top 20 executives of this huge company came. And... um, uh, I, I taught for two hours, and then I did uh, about 30-minute coaching sessions which eat with each one of these people. Now, like, I feel like I'm in kindergarten compared to them. These people are smart. Like, they're scientists uh, developing prototypes for artificial intelligence. One of them worked directly with the president at 9-11 to work on different... Th- I mean, these people are like, blow your brain smart and influential and impactful. They do governmental. They work directly uh, with the government. And I'm coming in there as a consultant. Uh So the fact was, I had so much fun. It was so beautiful. And I, when I was talking, I was given my little thing and I was talking and just to make a point, I, it it just kind of, you could tell things just fly out, right? I am no different in the marketplace than I am here. I'm just like I am. I just don't use scriptures and talk about Jesus. But I'm the exact same way. I'm no different. Hey, I remember living under that cloud of shame. Remember I taught that that whole first year? I lived under so much shame. And I'll tell you, when you can break off shame and you can just be you, you don't want to go back to that place of bondage ever again. And so I don't care where I'm at. If they don't like me, they just won't have me back. But I'm not going to go in there and try to perform. Come on. Try to measure up to these smart people. I never could measure up to these smart people. 
according to their brains, but I'm not called to do that. I'm called to be me. They're the ones that hired me. They're the ones that wanted me in, right? And so I went in there, and in the middle of my, my speaking, I said, um, yes, and uh, give a good example how this affects this. Uh, I was molested from the time I was two years old till nine years old, and because I carried this, those events literally were like a lid to try to put on what I was carrying. And I, I just it was just like a thing. Well, these people... I mean, they worked me hard. I had like a 13-hour straight day. It was intense. And they went to throw axe as an activity. You know, that's a new thing now, throwing axe. Did you know that? Axe throwing? Oh, it was big to them. Anyway, so they went out and they said, come axe throw with us. And I go, no, can I just go back and just like rest at the hotel? And um, so I went back. And the next day, I heard the buzz about me. And the buzz, the biggest topic of discussion was, could you believe that Melody actually said what happened to her? And they are all talking to each other, and they go, I'd never tell you what happened to me. (laughs) Man, I don't tell anybody what happened to me. You kidding me? And then they began to say, you know, for her to say it, she obviously is healed from it. And then they said, how could anybody ever be healed from something like that? I just said a statement talking. I mean, can all the professional stuff I was bringing them, what really impacted them was that phrase. So that next day as I was doing all my 30-minute things, they came in and they say, now, Melody, you're not going to tell anything, anybody about this coaching session, right? I go, no. And they pour out their heart. Ex-military men pouring out their heart. People with high-level positions being real and authentic. I mean, sorry, the, the main boss called me and said, you talked to so-and-so? And And I said, yes. You know, I know you're not going to tell me anything you discussed, but whatever you did was amazing because he came in a changed man. Oh, my gosh, guys. It wasn't all the coaching, consulting stuff, my great knowledge. (laughs) It was just being real. It was genuinely valuing them. And then the guy that brought me in, the head, the president of all of them, they said at the end, it was a whole week-long thing where they did, you know, trainings every day, all day long. And he said at the end, they said, okay, what do you feel like was the most beneficial thing? He said over 50% of these people didn't bring up the things about, well, this is really going to transform this system or this is really going to do this or that. They said the best thing was that 30 minutes with Melody. And then one guy came in, very influential man in the bunch. He went up to that president and he said, You know what? I think we need to have Melody in again, but for a full day just of training. 
and we bring all our ones that are their direct reports underneath them, like they're the top dogs, bring that whole crew that's in, bring them in from all over the United States and let her have a whole day of training with them and then take the next day or two and let that, her meet with them. Isn't that amazing? And I mean, I'm not putting myself down at all when I say this. <laughs> but it wasn't anything I brought to the ta table as skills. The world is looking for someone. He sought through the whole earth to find someone whose heart is perfect or mature towards him. He's looking for someone to stand in the gap on behalf of those who are oppressed. But if we're oppressed, it's going to be hard to stand in the gap. Back to infrastructure. <laughs> it's internal transformation rather than external behavioral modification. Oh, we know how we should act and we put it on for a little while, but that only lasts so long. But when there's an internal transformation, guess what happens? We are just us. We don't have to be different in different environments. Listen to this statement. We cannot be spiritually mature living an emotionally immature and fearful life. If my soul is tormented, it puts a lid on who I really am. You know, you become the, op this is big. If you're writing notes, this is a big one to write down. You become the opposite of who you are when you walk in fear. You become the opposite of who God created you to be when you walk in fear. And fear is the most tolerated demon in the church. And not every fear is demonic, but the source of all fear is demonic. And so you say, you know, I'm afraid. Oh, oh yes, I know. But I went up and you said, man, I am just controlled by this perversion and these, you know, pornography and all this. Well, we got to cast that demon out. You know, or, or we got to confront you, man. You need some accountability right now. You need it. We need to get you in, get you some accountability, start working with you because this is going to mess up your life. I want you to know if we deal with fear, everything else is going to go because everything else is just something we do to meet our need because we're afraid our need won't be met. So we have to do something to fill it ourselves because we can't trust God and we definitely don't trust others. So we're so driven by fear that we do all kinds of crazy things, but we get rid of the fear, we discover who we really are, and then nothing will satisfy us except authenticity. Man, this is where God's taking us. The infrastructure of becoming is contributing rather than needs-driven, and I just talked about that. Valuing what the Father values rather than the loudest voices. When the world says, this is what's the most valuable thing. This is what's the most important thing. We go, bless your hearts. I'm going to say, what does God say is the most valuable thing? Right. Let me share with you some practical expressions of authenticity. 
It's an expression of your voice and message versus replicating or echoing another's voice. My prayer, Father, right now, my prayer is for each one. They would discover their unique voice. What you placed inside of them, that they wouldn't live their lives based upon everyone else's voice and everybody else's opinion. They'll learn from it. They can grow from it. But, Lord, I thank you that you're causing them to discover what is uniquely them. In Jesus' name. It's an expression of your purpose, passion, and conviction versus doing things out of external pressure. I really want to preach that one, but I'm not. Expression of our innate truth within us versus what others want or expect us to be. And sometimes it's what we expect ourselves to be. This is, this is what you should look like, Melody. And I'm not talking externally. This is, this is, this is, what you, this is how you should present yourself. Am I going to live my life based upon any other expectation than my God? And you say, who can measure up to God's expectation? Guess what, guys, you already have. While we were yet sinners, when we were enemies of God, Jesus so valued us, so loved us, so cared for us, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross, shed his blood because of how much he loves us My goodness, if he loved us then, how much more does he love us now as a son and daughter of God? Come on. Oh, I think about it. I go back and I look at my life before I knew Jesus, and I can see the Father's hand upon my life. How many of you? Ah, It's like the angels. He's given angels for those who shall be heirs of salvation. You know, one thing that uh, I really had to grow into And that was when I would see injustice. Because, see, I love justice and I hate injustice. So when I would see injustice, it was very hard for me not to want to rip some people's heads off. Because it's wrong, right? It's wrong. Walking through the streets of Zurich, Switzerland, you know, and and the pimps. And then later on I learned, so you can always make assumptions... I had an assumption, these evil pimps, but then I learned that almost that's the lowest level on the rung, that were not sex trafficked, but they were slaves themselves from organized crime, and if they didn't do what they were supposed to do, they were dead. That's the pimps. And then there were the controllers. Now, that's more those who have some authority in the organized crime. And then they had all these other ranks. But I would see these people, and you'd walk down, and they'd just like, I mean, fear. You'd see, uh, if you were talking to a girl, and we always talked to them like on a side alley. And, um, but if a controller came around the a corner, you'd just see the fear grip them. And they would just walk away like they weren't even talking to you. The fear was so intense. And like everything inside of me just went out, yeah. I mean, I just want to get the old karate back in me, you know. I mean, I was like so, it just, it was like judgment fall. <laughs> you know how when they came out of the city, let's call down fire. 
See, we're not the only ones that think like that. Even his disciples did, okay? And But what did he say? You don't know matter. You don't know what manner of spirit you're talking from. Well, that's enough to slap you in the face, all right? No matter what someone does, Jesus paid a price for them. He holds value in them. Nobody would do those horrific things if they even saw any form of value. You want to see a really powerful person? They are gentle. They are caring. They are celebratory of others. A powerful person is the greatest servant. Power doesn't mean forceful. It doesn't mean controlling. It doesn't mean manipulative. It doesn't mean taking advantage of people. It doesn't mean stepping on everybody else so you can get ahead. That's not power. Power is found internally. It's easy to walk the talk because it is you versus hypocrisy. You know what? If you're just authentically you, you don't have to figure, okay, now how did I act the last time I was here? I want to make sure that I don't mess up my mask, you know? <laughs> or, okay, uh, walk the talk. Okay, I told them this. Now, what did I tell them? You know, and then, okay, well, you said that. Oh, I did say that. Oh, well, that's what I meant, you know? And living a lie so we'd be accepted. That's not authentic, and it wounds your heart. You have to settle in your heart. If God loves me, that's enough. If I'm valuable to the kingdom, that's enough. And if Kelly doesn't like me, I'm powerless to change that if I'm authentically me. I know. I love you, too. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you a real profound something. Love is my choice. Trust is your choice. There's no place in the Bible that says you should trust everyone. We're really going to unpack this tomorrow. Oh, I've got some. I'm going to talk about powerful people and the attributes of powerful people. It's going to set you free. But see, love comes from the character of the person loving. God so loved us. It had nothing to do with us being enemies. It had nothing to to do with anything we did or everything we ever did or anything we would ever do. Love came from love. God is love. It's who he is. So when he loves, it's just an expression of who he is. And guess what? You can love anybody. I can love anybody. But that doesn't mean I have to trust you. Because trust is something that is based upon you. Right? In fact, it's not wise to trust an untrustworthy person. 
If somebody says, oh, pastor, I will do this, 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 and they never, ever did it, then you won't ask them to do it again because you know you can't trust them to follow through. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't value them. You just recognize they're not one you can trust. Correct? You guys with me? See, we get so confused because we think if we love somebody, we've got to trust them. Well, I just love them so much. My goodness, look how they're acting. You know, girls, oh, I just want to be married. I just love them so much. Hey, it's great that you love them, but boy, if they're not trustworthy, don't marry the guy. Your feelings of love won't last very long. But when there's trust there, it's going to generate your ability to trust them. And then your love will have great impact. Practical or authenticity is navigate away from opportunities that are not you versus meeting my need for acceptance by saying yes and meaning no. Oh, we've pastored a long time, and I've learned through the years that sometimes people have said yes when they meant no. And then they get angry at you because they feel taken advantage of. Well, all you had to do is say no. There is people who get angry with me because if I know it's a no, I say no. And they get upset with me. And I go, well, what do you want me to say, yes? I mean, you just think about it. Because we have this image of what ooey-gooey love should look like. Love does what's best, first of all, for our God and his kingdom, and then second of all, for others. Oh, when we hear and we obey is when we build the kingdom. Jesus did only those things that he saw the Father do, right? You know what? Jesus was being led by love when he drove the money changers out of the temple. I mean, if you really look at the life of Jesus, and that was the introduction. And so I don't know what I'll do tomorrow. I might skip a bunch of slides. But I'm going to quit now because I only have 16 minutes left. And I just don't want to keep on. I, I think you've got enough to chew on. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each one. I just thank you and praise you for the beauty that's in each individual. I just thank you, Lord, that tonight is a night where you're going to bring forth the revelation of how valuable they are, bringing forth the revelation that when they are who you've called them to be, there will be a freedom to be authentically them. So right now we just cut off every facade. We cut off all pressure. We cut off all shame. We cut off all fear. We cut off all the self-protective control, and we declare that this is a new beginning in the name of Jesus. Sweetheart, what's your name?